Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jora, and we're joining you tonight uh, after a, a happy game. Uh, you know, we had a little uh, trouble at the, the first two games of the National Series, but the uh, the Mets came on with a, a big eighth inning of their own, and uh, here to talk about that and, and a whole lot of other things is uh, former National Review online sports writer Jason Epstein. Jason, thanks for joining us, and what were your thoughts about uh, tonight's game? Well, thank you for having me, Brian. Um, I will say that, uh, that there are a number of Mets fans who are no longer on the edge of the cliff. They're no longer um, um, on, uh, on the side of the balcony ready to do a swan dive. Um, it was nice to see after giving up those uh, five, what was it, five runs on, uh, on Monday evening to put up a nine spot uh, in the eighth inning of this evening's game, quite, quite emphatic. And to top it off with a cespedes grand slam, considering the slump, the miserable slump he's been in, uh, I mean, this is this is this is how you salvage a three-game series against your division rival. Well, since you brought up uh, Cespedes, let's talk about him for a second. Uh, he came into tonight, and he had 70 plate appearances on the season, and he had a uh, an ugly 38.6K uh, percentage, which was about double his rates of the past two seasons. And do you think that that's just a, a slow start, a, a sample size fluke, or, or do you think that uh, maybe there's something else going on with Cespedes that we should be concerned about? Well, I thought we had heard something about an illness that he was nursing. Um, it's very difficult to, to glean all of the information. And we, we certainly uh, have, have had uh, experiences in the past uh, not knowing whether, whether, something is, whether there's a nagging injury, whether there's a virus. We, we don't really know, I, I think. Uh, certainly a, a concern in 70 plate appearances, while not a, a large sample, um, when you're doubling your strikeout rate, it, 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 it does make you feel a little concerned. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, that when you have five capable outfielders, not each of them of, of equal uh, stature, but when you have five capable outfielders on your major league roster, uh, it provides an opportunity when players are going through prolonged slums to, to give them a little bit of extra rest, let's say. And um, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking just, just, just a day or two ago that the Mets will be playing more games against non-division opponents um, over the coming weeks. And perhaps it, it, it provides an opportunity if, 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 if tonight was not, if we did not witness Cespedes breaking out tonight, if he continues to struggle overall, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps, let's say when the when the Mets face the Padres in San Diego, uh, perhaps giving him two consecutive days off might be a, a, a good way to uh, uh, to approach to approach his uh, his slow start. 
Now you hit something that I I wanted to talk about as well, and and that's with the outfield depth that the Mets currently have. You would think that if either Cespedes and Jay Bruce is battling some foot trouble as well, why they continue to be in in the lineup ninety eight percent of the time, it, it, it's just a little frustrating, especially when Brandon Nemo just seems to 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 be ripe uh, for for playing time. And, and, you know, let's talk about Nimmo here for a second. My, my opinion is that he needs to play much more than, than he is playing now. Um, so first off, A, do you agree with that statement? And, and B, how do they get him in the lineup if, if they're going to insist on playing banged up or uh, uh, virus uh, guys every day like they have been so far with Cespedes and Bruce? Well, the hope you bring up a good point. I mean, the hope the hope is that is that is that there's a recognition that you shouldn't play hobbled uh, hobbled outfielders. Uh, that you should give them rest. You should let them heal. Uh, also, I mean, if it's affecting if it's affecting not just their their if it's not just their K percentage, they might it might be affecting their slugging, their their ability to hit for power. Uh, and Nemo clearly, Nemo's clearly uh, performing. He's 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 had some very impressive uh, plate appearances. So look, um, when you have uh, when you have as, as I mentioned earlier, when you have five outfielders who uh, who are very capable. I mean, you could make the argument that Lagares perhaps couldn't start for half the teams in, in, in the league, but he's 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 he certainly had. An impressive start to the season, and he plays superior. He still plays superior defense, particularly now that his arm is is all better. Um, you should be able to rotate uh, rotate the outfielders. Uh, Nemo, Nemo should be able to play three games a week, start three games a week at minimum. Um, just giving your other, just giving your your your, your starters one day of rest. Um, and that could easily climb to four days a week. Let uh, let Ligaris play one start one game a week and have him be the uh, uh, the defensive replacement practically every game. Uh, so you're absolutely right. The, uh, if Bruce is hobbled, if, if Cespedes is nursing an illness, um, that's even more reason to put Nimmo in the lineup. But even if they were healthy, even if they were healthy, uh, if you're if, if if you're hoping for a, a run in September. Let alone a uh, an impressive postseason. Got to keep these guys healthy. It's not just it's not just pitchers who break down. Position players have to have issues as well. I want to transition now and and talk about the uh, the starting pitchers. Uh, we saw an early hook tonight uh, with Stephen Matz, which uh, um, was certainly uh, something that we could could question. But the three previous nights, the the Mets removed a guy. In, essentially because he got to 100 uh, pitches thrown. And to me, it seemed like there was still gas left in the tank with each of those three pitchers. And uh, I get a little frustrated with the the strict adherence to that 100-pitch count thought. And I just want to see what what your uh, experience, what your thoughts on pitch counts for starters is. Well, are we certain that Cal- I mean Callaway is supposed to have a more progressive approach to starting pitching? I have a hard time believing that he is wedded to a hard 100 pitch count or, or any something in that neighborhood. 
Uh, I think you you wrote something up recently where talking about you know not all pitches are the same, uh, not all innings are the same in terms of uh, like for example Mets tonight had a very stressful first first inning uh, even even before Zimmerman clocked that three run home run. Uh, so also I think in those three three those three outings. You also saw slightly different circumstances. The Syndergaard issue was a little unusual because, of course, Syndergaard's a good hitting pitcher, but do you want him to bat? And also, what happened immediately preceding his plate appearance? Uh, so, in terms of in, in terms of pitch count, look, of course, I think I, I, it's it's important to 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 pay heed um, uh, to pay heed to 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 third time through the lineup. Um, the, the, I, the numbers overall don't lie in, in terms of how effective a starting pitcher is third time through. Plus, you have two starters in the bullpen, right? We have Gazelman, we have Lugo. Uh, if we compare it to what the Astros did last season with, with uh, uh, I guess it was four of their pitchers, uh, McCullers, McHugh, Peacock, and Morton, um, at various times, they came in and they, uh, as relievers, and pitched three or f- two, three, four innings. Uh, it was it was impressive. It was fun to watch, if, if only because um, in, in our lifetime we probably haven't seen much like that. Uh, at least not with with, with that level of uh, that that level of uh, of consistency. Uh, so. You know, you would think that, that with the Mets, you could cheat a little bit. What I, for me, personally, what's been so frustrating is, is, is not to see Lugo Gazelman, um, is to see them yanked so quickly. Uh, there have been times where they're out for two innings, but there are also times when they only face one batter. And I, if, if, if they're converted starters, uh, and now they're in the bullpen, uh, I don't think you should – you should be using them as if they're, they're so fragile. You, if, if Bryce Harper comes up, well, Seth Lugo and, 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 and Gazelman should be able to face Bryce Harper as, 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 as an incredible a hitter as Bryce Harper is. Uh, if, if, if you can't trust Gazelman or Lugo, then I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't have that much, that much faith in, in, in Blevins to, 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 to do the job. We get into the automatic knee-jerk reaction of the other team has a great left-handed hitter. We're going to bring in Blevins. And for the most part, that works out okay. But in the particular case of Harper, uh, it, it's not so great. Uh, Blevins has not neutralized Harper in, in any way, shape, or form. And, and sure, you can say that it's not very many plate appearances. It's only 15 plate appearances. But there's a bunch of walks, and there's been uh, a home run and a double in, in those 15 plate appearances. So <laughs> he, he's not neutralizing him. So I think that you need to go with your best pitcher, not just uh, whoever happens to throw right. with their left hand when Harper is, uh, is coming to the plate. But I want to talk real quickly about Steven Matz tonight. And uh, you made reference to his, his struggles in the first inning. And, and really, it was one incredibly bad pitch. The, the three-run homer that Zimmerman hit was an 83-mile-per-hour pitch that was middle-middle. <laughs> and, and he did what you're supposed to do with that pitch. He hit it for a home run. But yeah. I, I think that too much was made of that one pitch and, and not 
with every other pitch that Matt's threw after that. And it, it's like the manager is looking for a reason to yank his starters rather than looking for a reason to keep his starters in the game. And, and sure, it's great. They've got some, some depth in the bullpen with, as you mentioned, Lugo and Gesellman. And, and now we have to put uh, Seawald into that uh, equation as well. But I'd still like to see pitchers go a little longer than, than what they've been going so far. And tonight you can't even use the weather because I think it was 50-something degrees. Right, right. Brian, there is, there is one thing to consider, though, of course, and that is because we're talking about the National League here. Uh, the Mets were down 3-2 to two at the time. So not mistaken, it was 3-2. to two, um, Right. Or maybe it was 3-1. to one. Uh, but, but, but here was an opportunity to, to have that breakout inning. And um, we're, we may not be privy to the uh, post-game press conference, but if someone asked Callaway why he pinch hit for Mets, of course, uh, it's not – it's not so much. It's not about seventy-four pitches. I'd imagine it's because there was an opportunity to put Brendan Nemo, uh, Brendan Nemo, at the plate um, at a key spot at a key spot in the game. And you know, as as, as impressive as Matt has been as a pitcher at the plate, uh, Nemo presents more of an opportunity to to tie the score uh, or perhaps. Uh, trigger a, 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 a multi-run uh, inning, uh, put, you know, putting more runs on the board. And so I think, I, I think in that regard, uh, would Mets have gone out for a fifth inning? Absolutely. Uh, had there been no one on base and his, his, his turn in the order to come up, uh, or maybe just a runner on first base, I think he does come to the plate. Now, maybe Cowley would have yanked him after five, uh, in which case, we'd still have this discussion, of course. Uh, so I, I would, I, I would just throw that caveat out that this was probably an opportunity to put Nimmo in the, in, in, at the plate with the hope that the Mets were going to break through. Now coming into the year, one of the, the question marks for the Mets was what they were going to get from their catching situation. I think that uh, Travis Darnot had some supporters, and I think Kevin Plowicki had some supporters, but I don't think anybody was, was doing somersaults about um, the Mets catching. And now both of those guys are hurt. And the name that we hear most often as is, is a potential trade acquisition for the Mets is uh, Marlins catcher J.T. Realmuto, uh, who is uh, now healthy and, and back off of the DL. Uh, do you think that the the Mets should uh, go after uh, Real Muto? And if so, what would you be willing to give up in a trade for him? Well, look, he's he's a fantastic he's a fantastic uh, offense catcher. Um, he's 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 pretty good on defense as well. Uh, but he's also under contract through 2020. Uh, the Marlins are probably going to ask for. a pretty penny and I'm, I'm just not sure that the Mets have enough on the farm to offer the Marlins or at least uh, not sure that the Mets want to the Mets farm system is just not that strong not sure that you want to give everything away for El Muto um, I probably want to hold off at least initially uh, two other names have have, have surfaced. Uh, Wilson Ramos, who's who's with the Rays right now, 
Um, uh, he hasn't uh, he hasn't gotten off to a strong start, but uh, but Mets fans know him very well for his time uh, from his time with the Nationals, and Blake Swihart, uh, who cannot uh, who who cannot catch for the Red Sox because uh, they've decided uh, uh, they've 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 decided that he's just a little bit more of a liability behind the plate, uh, so they've tried to find him. Um, some plate appearances while taking the field at, at various positions, uh, but the Mets may want to 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 give it a shot. I don't think either player would cost very would cost very much. Uh, Nito um, is probably a little is probably not ready to 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 be given the full time backstop position. Uh, Lobatone is bloody awful at the plate, although I think we all cheered his triple, um, mm-hmm. his first game, his first game behind the plate. It was, it was marvelous to watch. He's, he's certainly very enthusiastic. Uh, I've seen him play for the Nats uh, numerous times and, and the fans down in DC loved him, even though he stank up the joint while, while in the batter's box, but that's not, uh, you, you, I think everyone would agree that's not uh, that's not how you want to wind up battling for a postseason spot is with either Lobatone or even with Nito at this point. Ploiecki, while he's a really good pitch framer, he's got awful. Uh, I'm sorry, got awful uh, with with the lumber. So yes, I think at some point the Mets are going to have to pull uh, pull the trigger. I just would be very careful uh, going all out for Yamuto. Um I might want to instead go after, as, as I mentioned, Ramos or, or Swihart. Uh, understood. But I want to circle back to Real Muto just because he's the one that it seems that so much attention is being um, thrown out by the, in the blogosphere. And I had a reader propose this trade to me. And Uh-oh. I just want you to answer yes or no. You don't have to give me any, any great detail answer just yes or no is fine would you be willing as 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 the the Mets GM for for five minutes would you be willing to trade uh Zach Wheeler and, and Kevin Ploiecki for Real Muto oh yeah <laughs> but with the but number one with them would Derek Jeter say yes and number two how much money would we have to uh how much uh, would there you know how much money would we would we get from the Marlins in return? Because, you know, he's, he's, he's going to cost quite a bit with, with his arbitration years. Uh, but in terms of the talent, oh, I, I, like, I like Zach Wheeler. But, uh, but look, when, when we traded Carlos Beltran to the Giants for Wheeler, who would have thought that, uh, that Beltran would put up a lot more wins above replacement than, uh, than, than Wheeler? Uh, so while he still may have a very effective career, I'll take uh, I'll take Real Muto uh, in a heartbeat if that's the uh, uh, if, if 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 that's what's under discussion. All right, very good. Well, let's move on. I want to talk about uh, a reliever who seems to be a little controversial, and uh, that's AJ Ramos. 
coming into the year, we were, we're hearing stories about that Callaway was not going to use a designated closer, and it seemed to be um, that Ramos would be in line to, to pick up saves. But instead of getting saves, he's pitching partial innings and being a, a loogie candidate for Jerry Blevins. Now, tonight he actually pitched a full inning, and, and I haven't seen the box score, but I believe he actually got the win tonight uh, in his <laughs> in his full inning outing. So what what's going on with uh, A.J. Ramos, do you think? Well, I, I think when listening to your question, what first comes to mind is what's wrong with Callaway? Uh, when, 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 I mean, a guy is walking approximately one batter per inning. I, you know, someone like that's going to drive fans to drink heavily. And good Lord, I mean, when, when, when a reliever's walk rate is so bloody awful, it should be a felony to bring him into a game with runners on base, which if I'm not mistaken. But that's, nothing, that's we, nothing new with Ramos. That's, that's always been his MO, that he gives up lots of runs. And the Mets knew that when they acquired him. The Mets knew that when they uh, uh, extended arbitration to him and, and settled a, a contract with him to make him the team's highest reliever. So uh, I, I understand the frustration because – God, I'm right there with you. But the Mets <laughs> knew that. The Mets knew that when they got him. They knew that when they re-upped with him. That hasn't changed. This is, this is nothing new. So uh, I'm just wondering, was, there, was that uh, sleight of hand by Callaway to, to try to, to motivate Familia? Or, or did he see him in, in spring training and go, oh, my God, it's even worse than I thought? Well, I, I, it's, a good que- it's a good question. But, uh, but, but you would still want to ask yourself, look, if, if, if let's say Familia is uh, going to pitch the ninth inning, well, then why not just have Ramos pitch, pitch the eighth? But, but you also have to throw the caveat in, is, is do you really want Ramos in, in a tie game? Uh, uh, he, he, he's not without value, but why, why in God's name do you, put, do you put him in with runners on base when – uh, when, when bases on balls are as frequent as the strikeouts. And uh, sure, he was probably, uh, he was, it was a curious trade at the time, but we quickly uh, ascertained that, uh, that, that, that Ramos was brought in because we weren't sure what Familia's status would be uh, this season. Um, uh, so it's going it's it's, it's to be interesting to see uh, how things how things unfold, especially when Swarzak comes back, um, when when the bullpen uh, is further strengthened, uh, will Ramos just be used less, or will he be allowed to let's say uh, pitch some of the uh, uh, pitch an eighth inning or two uh, every week? But but once more, I mean, bring it, bring him in uh, halfway through the, through an inning, runners on base, uh, just just. I don't know what sort of motivation that is, but it's it's motivation for fans to drink heavily. <laughs> and and we really don't need that. Um, but you you brought up uh, the rest of the pitching staff and specifically Swarzak, so I want to talk about that. Uh, I think there's been a little bit of a setback with Swarzak, so he may not be coming back immediately. But Jason Vargas um, looks like he's on target to return by the end of the month. And, and what happens to, to the pitching staff, uh, at least when Vargas returns at the end of April? Well, it's a good, it, it, it's a good question. I mean, Bautista's prob, uh, Bautista just, 
just came up for uh, probably has just come up for for a few weeks until Vargas uh, returns. I would imagine. But if Swarzak also comes back, then you have the question of uh, someone's got to go down to AAA or to AA, probably to Vegas. And who knows? Maybe some. Maybe Seth Lugo um, um, goes down to uh, goes down to Vegas so he can start some games. Um, but uh, but Vargas also could end up as the number five starter. I I, I suspect that we'll be watching uh, Zach Wheeler very very closely uh, over the next uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, Vargas was brought in to pitch. Could he end up being sort of a swingman? Uh, or, or, or pitch two or three innings at a time out of bullpen like Gizelman and Lugo, that's possible. But, uh, but I, think the, I, I think just as likely is that Wheeler, um, is, is Wheeler goes to the pen and plays that and, 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 and takes on that role. Uh, another factor, of course, if you want to talk lefty-righty, is, is that if Blevins is indeed not the Blevins of old, then Vargas has some additional value. Not that we would want him only as a as a loogie, as a as a one out lefty guy, uh, but certainly we would want him to come into an inning, perhaps even start an inning where you know there are going to be uh, some some fearsome left handed batters coming uh, coming through. Well, we have reached the crazy prediction time of the show. Uh, I'm going to give you a crazy prediction, and I'm going to ask you to comment on it, and then I'm going to ask uh, you to give me a crazy prediction of your own. Are you ready? Um, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. So we were just talking about the uh, the unknown, how the Mets are going to handle their rotation. You, you said that uh, uh, Zach, Zach Wheeler might end up going to the pen if they insert Jason Vargas, but I think that both Stephen Matz and Matt Harvey are kind of on that same on that same uh, chopping block, if you will. And I think it's time for everyone to prove it. And Matt Harvey's next start is uh, against the Braves, who lead the uh, NL right now in or coming into tonight, I should say, with the uh, the highest OPS and the most runs per game. Uh, but I'm saying that. My crazy prediction is that Matt Harvey, who's been victimized by the long ball, is going to go up against this fearsome Braves offense and keep the ball in the park and turn in a vintage 2013 performance and keep his spot in the rotation. So how crazy is that? Uh, A vintage 2013 performance? Um, Not only mildly crazy. Uh, but I do think he will be um, perfectly cromulent. Let's put it that way. I think he will. He will. He will. Um, he will I, I predict. I would predict he'll do just just enough. Uh, he'll get the six innings in. He'll 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 get three runs. He'll give up a few hard hit balls. Uh, but I take. I, I I do take your point that uh, that that. That, that Wheeler's not the only one who's, who's got to prove himself. Um, I also would point out that, that if, the Mets, uh, if, if, if the Mets do want to uh, keep Harvey uh, beyond this season, uh, you know, you're right. It's, it's, it's going to take, gonna take a, a little bit, a little bit uh, we're going to have to see a few more commanding starts, if not against the Braves. And perhaps against weaker opponents. Uh, when when are the Reds coming to town? 
<laughs> Not soon enough. All right. Well, it's your turn to it, it, it's your turn to embiggen uh, my crazy prediction with an even crazier one. Hit me with yours. My crazy prediction is that even though their schedule is about to get a little tougher, the Philadelphia Phillies will be within three games of first place at the All Star break. Wow. How crazy is um, that? You know, I, 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 think you, I think you beat me on the, uh, the, the crazy part. I like it because of the craziness factor of it. I'm not saying I agree with it because I don't, but it's crazy, and that's what we like. Um, the Phillies are off to a, a real nice start, and I think that uh, if they didn't have the misfortune of play in the Mets, they'd be in even better position right now. So I certainly understand the, the reason for it, but I'm just not a believer in that pitching staff. Well, and Pavetta, uh, you know, Nick Pavetta, um, Nats fans uh, will probably remember the name because he's who they, they gave up when uh, Papelbon um, uh, was, when Papelbon uh, became a Nationals, uh, became the Nationals closer. Uh, and Pavetta has just been a pleasant surprise for them. Uh, I think they're, they're, they've got some young hitters who are, uh, uh, who continue to improve. I mean, they, they have not really, for the most part, they have not taken a step back. And, look, I'm not saying they're going to be there in, at the end of August, Labor Day, in September, but uh, I think they, uh, they will continue to impress at least through the early summer. All right. Well, uh, I, I love the craziness of it. Uh, we're just about out of time. I want to hit you with one quick yes or no question. Do you think Ahmed Rosario will spend the entire year in the majors? Uh, yes, because well, there you have it. Play shortstop Jose Reyes. <laughs> oh God, help us! Phil Bevins. All right, no. Um, uh, I'd like to thank my <laughs> guest uh, Jason uh, Epstein for for joining us tonight, even though he was on the red eye and uh, flew into town just so he could be on the podcast. Jason, thanks so much, and I hope you'll consider being on again. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we are we are all done here tonight. Please tune in again uh, next Wednesday night at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Good night, everyone, and goodbye. <laughs>